Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. I'm going to invite Val to come up now because Val is going to bring the Bible reading to us. Now, for some of you, these are really old stories and you've heard them lots of times before. Val's going to read them in a modern translation. And I just invite you to close your eyes. And as she reads, just picture the scenes there. But as you're in that scene, think about what God's saying to you. Think about which one character you identify with. Think about which one character God is saying to you, you need to get more understanding about this one. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 15, uh, three stories to think about this morning. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to Jesus to listen to his teaching. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels, when even one sinner repents. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About this time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, 
and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a, finger, a, ro- a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Thanks, Val. We just sung 10,000 reasons, 10,000 reasons to praise God, 10,000 reasons to celebrate. And this passage is called The Lost. And we can focus on those who were lost. We can focus on what they did, but we forget to focus on the celebration. So, which character did you identify with most? We'll do raising of hands this morning, I think. Uh, The woman who'd lost her coin. Anybody there? Rachel. Yes. There was woman. Oh, there's another one. Somebody else at the back there. I saw a hand. One or two. Val's there. This woman. Now, all three stories here are really, really symbolic. Because women, you didn't, teachers didn't preach about women. They weren't worth being preached about. But here is Jesus bucking the trend. The whole reason he tells these stories is to say, you've got it wrong. You know, 
Well, I didn't ask, did anybody identify with the tax collectors? Or the Pharisees? The tax collectors were there, they were listening, they were soaking up the message. And the Pharisees were sort of standing there, and I sort of imagined them doing this and sort of nodding their heads or tutting or whatever. And as Jesus often did, and it was, was custom in Jerusalem, in, in Jewish culture, that's the word I'm looking for, he picked more stories than one to emphasize the point. And he, here he emphasizes that those that the Pharisees think are worthless are worth lots. So the women, the woman, she's not worth telling a story about, but she is because she's so special. The coin that she's lost is the equivalent of losing her wedding ring. Because when women got married, they got a headdress with 10 coins in it or a different number of coins. And if you lost one, you're saying something about your marriage. Everybody would see it was precious to you. If you'd lost your wedding ring, your engagement ring, your eternity ring, I don't know, the bobble hat your first boyfriend gave you, you'd go and find it because it was precious. But more than that, this woman is symbolic because Jesus describes himself as the bridegroom and the church as the bride. So here is a bride who's lost something and she wants to find it in the same way as our bridegroom wants to find us, each one of us that is lost. And so she celebrates the unworthy who's lost, celebrates when it's found. That's the pattern going through and through these, chap these stories. The next story, the story of the lost sheep. And when my son was growing up, and when he was a toddler, we had this amazing little Nick Butterworth book of fluffy sheep, which was all the amazing stories. But sheep are a little bit stupid. Now, I don't want to ask this, but did anybody identify with the sheep? And I know there's at least one. Yes. Now, I'm not saying you're stupid. You might be able to be led astray. You might feel that you're just one of a kind amidst a hundred and nobody's going to notice you. You maybe just don't know what on earth to do. We are the sheep because Jesus is the shepherd. But shepherds then again, they were the lowest of the low. And yet we see them over and over again in scripture, don't we? The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. The 23rd Psalm, which most people can, can recount in some ways. David, the shepherd boy who became a king. The shepherds who came to see Jesus over and over again because Jesus is the good shepherd who looks after his sheep. And this shepherd went and he looked for the one that's lost and he brings it back and he celebrates. He doesn't say, what a stupid sheep this is, he's going to run off again. Like all of us parents have done from time to time, when our child has gone away and we are frantically searching for them, the first thing we do is hug them. I'm so glad you're back. Before we tell them, and don't you ever do it again. Jesus is much more forgiving than I am, and uh, we do get lost more than once. And yet he wants to bring us back, and every time he celebrates. 
And then that last story. Who identifies themselves with the lost son? Or who was God speaking to about the lost son? The one that was lost and went away. It says, Mum, give me what, give Mum, Dad, give me my inheritance. Now that apparently was quite okay then. It would definitely be frowned on now, wouldn't it? Although my son does seem to want to have my house. I said that's fine as long as he pays the bills to mend the guttering and everything else that's gone wrong. But this boy wanted his inheritance. So this father gave it to him. Who identified with the father in that scene? You're giving. Who identified with the elder brother? I'm sorry, I'm elder brother. Judgmentalism is my biggest flaw. The young son went away. He didn't even just go and set up a business on his own. I mean, it would be all right, Steph, if you said to your mum, give us a bit of money and I'll start up a business. You know, we all want to help as parents. We do that for our children. But he says, no, actually, do you know, I want to go and have a party. And the other brother worked, and he worked. And this prodigal son, as we call him, came to his senses after a while when he had nothing, when he was feeding pigs, which again, you know, Jewish people and pigs, no, no, no. A good Jewish boy would not do that. He sees his sense. He says, I'll go back and I'll be a hired person. Now, let's get this right in, in the scheme of things then. There was the son who was a member of the family. There was the slave who was protected and actually was a member of the family. There was the hired person who could be sent away the next day and never brought it back again. So he wasn't going to come in the, the son or the slave. He said, I'll be the lowest. I just want to eat. And I'll apologize and I'll do that. And so he came running back and running back, and his dad saw him and ran towards him. Now, again, Jewish guys would not do that. Picked up, and he went out. And he went out because he'd been looking, he'd been longing, he'd been hoping, he'd been praying to see that son. And he went, and he brought him in. And instead of him telling him off, he comes in and he says, look, put the best robe on him. And that best robe was the father's robe, the robe that said, this person is a member of the family, this person has rights. The robe that says, I'm reinstating your inheritance, so that already you've had your third, you'll get a third of what's left. And then he says, kill the fatted calf. These were people who were primarily vegetarian. To have, you know, this wasn't Sunday roast, we'll just do Sunday roast a day early. This was Christmas dinner. This was more than that. Although those that are smiling know that we hadn't had Christmas by then. This was the meal. This was the special thing. And he invites people in. He's not a father that says, oh, do you know, my son's done that and everybody's talking about him and that's horrible and I want to disassociate myself with him. This is a father that says he is welcome. And this is the father that we identify with. The father that we identify with, our father who calls us back in. I love in Zephaniah, it says this. As the bride, as Isaiah first of all says, as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so, you, so shall your God rejoice over you. And then in Zephaniah, the Lord, 
Your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. For everyone that comes back and said, you know, God, I've done this thing. I've said something about that person that I shouldn't have said. I've judged that person incorrectly. I've had other things above you. I've wanted to go my own way. I just didn't even know you existed. For every one of us that comes back and says to God, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to have my life radically transformed as Steph's life has been radically transformed. For each one of us, God is singing to us. And I don't know, you know, maybe some of you have got your favorite singer. In the day, it would have been Cliff Richard. But I think probably Ronan Keating or Gary Barlow now more for me. Just imagine, sorry? Much more current. Much more current. <laughs> well, I don't know, I'm old. Somebody tell me, who's, who's young and male that I should, no. But imagine that person that you've always admired comes and says, do you know, Julie, I'm going to put a concert on just for you. And I'm not going to charge you the millions of pounds, but you can invite your friends and we're going to celebrate. And you are my guest of honor. Because each one of us, if we've turned, is a guest of honor. Two years ago, I had to preach on celebration. And I shared at the time how um, unworthy I felt of being celebrated. And I talked about the fact I was going to have my 50th birthday coming up. And I thought I was going to have a party. And I shared that I'd never had a party because I never thought anybody would want to come. And I was so encouraged by members of the congregation who said, I hate parties and I particularly hate Kayleys, but I'll come. Now, don't worry, you didn't get invited because I never did have the party. Because we had another Kaylee here instead. But just that, somebody saying, you know, I will hate doing that, but I will come for you. I will celebrate you because it's important to you. To celebrate is so important. To celebrate, to lift others up. It's important for us as individuals because it makes us feel worthwhile. We love it when somebody says, you know, you've done this amazing thing for us. We want to celebrate. Celebration is good for the community because it brings us together. It shows us what we believe in, what's worthwhile. It's good for the relationship between each one of us. So, my questions for you this morning. If you're lost, isn't it about time you were found? Isn't it about time that you returned to God and said, you know, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry that I did this. But I want to be reinstated in that relationship. If you're lost and you think, God will never do that for me. I've done the worst thing ever. Do you know, he doesn't care. Because if you say sorry, he forgives you. What about those of us that can be the older brothers? They go, oh, they've done it again. Why aren't we celebrating? 
Why aren't we there celebrating with Jesus and with everyone and saying, yes, it is amazing. Okay, they've maybe slipped, but it is amazing that they've recognized that and we've turned back round. Jesus wanted the Pharisees to come back. He wanted the Pharisees to be in real relationship with God. It wasn't about the rules, it was about the relationship. The Pharisees had all the clues. In their book, they had all the clues of who Jesus was, and they didn't spot it. And they were there moaning when Jesus was saying, look, there's a party going on over here. Why aren't we joining that party? Why haven't we come to be part of that? As we sing, as we listen to what's being played, ask God what he wants to tell you, what he wants to say, what he's challenging you about. Are you lost and need to be found? Come and talk to one of our prayer team. Come and pray and accept the forgiveness that God wants to offer you. And maybe you need to celebrate. Maybe there's something that you're not seeing that you are blind to. That God is saying, this is for you and you just need to enjoy it. And again, come and pray. Pray with your neighbor. Talk to a colleague. We have all been lost and we can all be found. And God is going to be smiling and celebrating us all. Today, don't knock yourself out of that. Don't lock the door. Don't just say it's for them or for them or for them. It's for each one of us. Come and celebrate together. For more information about St. Saviour Sunbury, please visit our website, www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk.